welcome to another edition of We Want to Talk About It Now. I got Steven on again. We're going over the 1970s basketball players. Saying basketball intentionally because this was a time when there was the ABA kind of competing against pretty heavily against the the NBA. Mm-hmm. And there's a few of our players, I don't want to speak for Steven, but a few of my players played in both leagues. And maybe like Steven and I were like talk, talking before this, and it is a very important part of NBA history. Without the ABA, you don't have a lot of the teams that are now part of the NBA. Uh, obviously, the NBA ends up um, absorbing the ABA like the like Dwight absorbed his twin in the wo- room uh, for any office womb for any <laughs> office fans out there. That's, that's why he's so huge. That's why he's so strong, because he has the strength of a, of a man and a small infant baby. Yeah. Oh, but um I love that. Steven, I kind of just want to anything before we get into like player specific things, is there anything that you want to say about the 70s besides I feel like I'm saying words really weird about the 70s besides the ABA NBA merger that ends up happening there close to the end of the decade okay. heading into the 80s. There was also I also want to say about the 70s there were only two teams that won more than one championship in the NBA in that decade. And there was eight different champions in the seventies in the NBA. So that's all. Well, let's hop into it. I think where I want to start is with some of those ABA NBA players. And what kind of sucks is this is one of the, what I would say probably the second best player of the seventies. Julia uh-huh. Serving, Dr. J. Second best, I'd say I I might argue he was the best. Oh, but. you'll see. Just 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 you wait. I bet you we have the other person on both of our teams, but just you wait. So Maybe. he played with uh he played in the ABA up until 1976, 77 when he joined Philadelphia. Before that, he was with it says NYA, but I always just assumed he was on like the Nets, wasn't he? <laughs> like the New York. Who the the Julius Irving? Julius NYA Irving was is. on the new. He was on the New York Nets and the ABA, and then he went to the NBA and was part of the Philadelphia 76ers. I see what they're doing here on Basketball Reference. They have it as and, NYA. And that, the A is for ABA, so it's New York okay, ABA. And, okay, and uh, before that, he was on the Virginia Squires. That's who he got drafted by. That's a team. Did they just go out of business? Yeah, they were in the ABA. Okay, so they're just one of the teams that didn't get brought over. Right. There was only four teams that got brought over to the NBA. Which and, one were those? Uh, it was the Pacers, the Spurs, the Nets, and I can't remember, I think Chicago or Denver. I don't remember either. Yep, Pacers, the, Spurs, Nuggets, Nets. you got it. You got them. Nuggets, Pacers, Nets, or sorry, Nuggets, Pacers, Nets, and Spurs. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Okay. Um, and the last, in fact, the last ABA uh, finals, right, was uh, 1976, and it was between the Nets and the Denver Nuggets. Oh, and uh, who ended up winning that? you know the nets the nets look at look at dr j winning the last the last championship and then moving it what's kind of cool looking at his basketball reference is he was an all-star granted he was an aba all-star for five seasons but he was an all-star every single season that he played that's kind of cool he was the one that really revolutionized the game from the standpoint of the dunk the first dunk contest champion and then yep. also just like doing all of the cool in-air acrobatic type things. I'm sure there are other players like him, but in Julius Serving gets all the credit. In that way, I think Julius Serving, uh, by the way, he was, uh, Jordan was heavily influenced by Dr. J. Um, but uh, in terms of the aerial acrobatics and all that, the, the dunking and all that, he was like Jordan before Jordan. And the one thing that I, I have the the two iconic plays in my head that I can think of from him is the the behind the backboard 
uh, whoopsie doopsie. Yeah, the up and under, and then the uh, like the windmill dunk. <laughs> oh, um, I, well, I, I, he was. Yeah, I know he was on the fast break, and he. Yep. Yeah. It's just like, what's he going to do? And then he just went, boom. Oh, kind of like a hezzy. And then just brings it back around, dunks it over the dude. Kind of. It's yeah, like a, that, It's not like he facialized the dude, but he definitely dunks it over him. It's one of the more iconic dunks in NBA history. But man, having two of, I know that those plays are showed, shown over and over and over again, but I have yeah. those burned into my brain. I'll, yeah, I won't, I won't I forget them anytime soon. Does. I, I think everybody does, you know, as hey, those looking at his stats, he was a monster, man. I feel bad that I, I full transparency. Anytime Dr. J seems to be at all of the all-star games and is really an ambassador for the game. And I've oh, yeah. always, I've always been kind of dubious slash skeptical of that. I'm just like, what did you do? Like you, you, what, you won like two championships, one in the, ABA and one in the NBA. I don't know if that's accurate, so let me just verify that. No, but I think he won two in the ABA. Two in the ABA but, and then one in the NBA. I know he won one with Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah but, one in '83 with the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, for whatever murder, whatever reason, I just never thought of him as that important. Like he's not even in like my top twenty, top fifty. Like he's kind of just like, oh yeah, Dr. J, the guy that was really good at dunking. But he was really influential and he actually was a great all-around player and some of his stats just prove that out his three-point shooting not great but similar for everyone else but his two-point field goal percentage is pretty solid always hovering around 50 percent and when you consider most of his shots came close to the basket because most of them were layups and dunks you know that's pretty incredible um he and Kobe once said, hey, if I had hands as big as his were, he said, because the ball looked like an orange in his hands. And he said, uh, Kobe said, if his hands were as big as Dr. J's were, he probably wouldn't shoot very many jumpers, you know. You just take it to the take it to the rack every single right. time because the ball's not getting knocked out of his hand. Right, which is what he did most of the time, you know. Uh, when you can fly like he can and you got hands like he did, big, huge hands, like, yeah, he's going to take it to the basket, you know? That I just, I think he's like six, seven, right? He's a big dude. Yep, six, seven. He's like six, eight or something. Yeah. Man, tall. I, I just, short man envy right here. Just, although but, I don't envy having like to fly in a plane him. if you're tall. And I also don't envy all of the joint pain that you'll feel as you get older, but yeah. from the ages of 20 you to know, 40, you're winning 20 to 50. You're winning. If you're tall. Yeah. You know, you know, uh, when they did hit Dr. J's documentary about his career and his life and everything, they did a documentary and, um, in that documentary at the end, he dunks a ball at his age, you know, and he, the guy's like 70 something oh, really? Like, or 60 something. And he dunks the ball at the end of the film. That's cool. It, it just goes to prove that height is a very valuable. Uh, what yeah, would be the word? It's not a talent. You, and it shows you what, 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 well, it is a talent, but. Uh, it shows you what stupid, well, height isn't a talent. Hops is. Yes. But I was going to say, it shows you what kind of stupid hops he had, you know, when he was uh, younger that he can still dunk a basketball now, you know? Yeah. Uh, did you have, did you have Julius? Sir? I mean, you said he was the best of the 70s. So I assumed he was on your, your top five list. Well, he is on my he is on my list. I didn't write him on my little flashcards here, but um, he because I jotted down a little something about every person. But anyway, um, uh, Julius Serving was probably the biggest uh, um, like face of basketball in the seventies, I think. So who else is on your list? I'm curious if you have the oh, person okay. who I think Other was the people best on my list. Uh, let's go artist Gilmore. Okay. 
Have you? Did you? I know who Artis Gilmore is. He is not on my top five. <laughs> okay, Artis Gilmore is probably the best center that ever played in the ABA. One of the best centers of the 1970s. Had a 17-year NBA career. Uh, was the ABA Rookie of the Year in 1972. Um, was also the MVP of the ABA in 1972. He's in the 20,000 point club. Okay, led the NBA, led the ABA in blocks twice. Uh, led the league in in rebounds four times. Okay, and I believe one season, I believe he averaged 2.9 blocks a game. And he had more than one season, if I remember right, where he averaged 20-plus boards. Well, according to this, to basketball reference, there was a season he averaged five blocks per game. Oh, shoot. I In did not realize 1971-72, playing for well, Kentucky. Well, that's ridiculous. Because do you know how hard it is to even average two blocks a game? Like, that is crazy that he averaged five. I didn't even know that, but that's crazy. Man, he's a um, big man though. So seven foot two. Yeah. I could and see him. I could see you getting a few of those blocks. He's definitely the best uh center that ever played for the Chicago Bulls. Oh, so, so you don't consider Rodman a center? He's a power forward. He's a power forward, yeah. I mean, I consider him a four, a four, basically a four, you know. He's basically a power forward. So I just wanted to make sure uh, you got to talk about Dennis Rodman for a little bit because I know that you love it. <laughs> He's not from the 70s, though. So um, <laughs> that, that's Artis Gilmore. Um, not going uh, to lie. Not to denigrate anything. I know I, he does look to have like some great stats here. But after <laughs> maybe it's because we started with Julius Irving, but going from Julius Irving to. Artist Gilmore's stat line, just far less impressive. His total rebounds dropped significantly after about, like, after he's 28. Like, he was averaging pretty high numbers, and then it just goes to... You're talking about Artist Gilmore? Correct, about Artist Gilmore. It drops to about 10 per game, as opposed to before. He was in, like, the 13, 15, 20. 16, 17. Yeah, really high rebound numbers. His points per yeah, game, not that great. 22 rebounds one season or something? I have 18.3. As his highest. That's as high as he got. Yeah. And then oh. his, his his shooting percentage is not something to be. Man, right. that's amazing. 67%. They said he's like the all-time leader in the history of the league, I think, in field goal percentage. I, that's the one thing I'll take away from this podcast about Artis Gilmore. That dude was efficient. And, and. I think the fact that he led the league in rebounds four times is really impressive. You know, even, even when you mentioned his years where he didn't average as many rebounds, he still averaged double figure rebounds, you know? Yes. And, and it's something had to have happened because I'm seeing this with a number of players. It seems like, like 78, 79, 80, there must've been like some rule change because blocks decrease and total rebounds. I just don't know. Would that be like the three in the key being invented? Could that be? Uh, I'm trying to think what it could be. I know that the offensive goaltending rule came into place because of George Mikan. So that was in place for a while, you know. Um, but it could have something to do with rule changes. Yeah. Like it could be. Check see if it's offensive goaltending rule or something had something to do with it. Oh, that could be something too. Yeah, I'll just, I'll look that up because because I don't know if they had that in the ABA. You know. Yeah. Either way, just just some curious some curious uh, decreases right there. Yeah, maybe it, it could just be age too. You know. He'd well, I mean, he wasn't while. super old. He was, he was, he was like, and I'm seeing this like across the board with some of the bigs. Uh, I have some other bigs on my list uh, that I want to get to, but it seems like their numbers just kind of, they were unstoppable. Like yeah. as far as total rebounds go. And then they just kind of like, I guess we could just 
go into another one of my people who's a who's a big man. Right. Talk about this. I would guess. I would guess, Alex, that it has something to do with offensive goaltending role. But uh, my other, my next dude was Elvin Hayes. Oh shoot, that guy! You know, I didn't look up his numbers, but I've heard I've heard about him, and the big E was was something else. Um, he owned the seventies. Like Artis Gilmore, that, kind of went over into the eighties, but from nineteen seventy yeah. to nineteen seventy nine, this guy was doing work. <laughs> How what he average? He was averaging uh, in that decade around 28 point, 26 points per game, and rebound wise was averaging around 15 to 16 a game with his high he being 18. Make, he would make Shaq proud because Shaq is always wanting big guys to score a lot, you know. And can I say why I'm really impressed by Elvin Hayes, unlike Artis Gilmore at seven foot two, Elvin Hayes, six foot nine shredded to the, to the bone. And just yeah. like a smaller, kind of like Bill Russell, almost from the sixties, but just a kind of a smaller big who went and did work. Yeah. Probably not only strong, but probably somewhat athletic, you know? Oh yeah. He only won one championship and that was in 1978, but Overall, just looking at everything, like Washington Bullets, he represents the '70s so well. Is is the reason that I wanted to to have him on there. I I've played with him a number of times in a uh, in NBA 2K. I've played against him a number of times in NBA 2K, uh-huh. and he was a bad man. With once again, I got to get my mention. You mentioned Rodman. I mentioned shoulders. Just built. Just a built man, dude. He's one of those dudes when I make fun of like the 60s and 70s bodies, he does not fit that mold. He is does not fit that. I he knew is there a was strong dude. See, because I know there are some guys that like had a pretty built body. Julius Irving was one of those guys. He's kind of yeah. muscular, you know. Yeah, he had big wide shoulders, man. Uh, yeah. Both Elvin Hayes uh, and Julius. Another guy, another guy I wanted to mention if you're done talking about Elvin Hayes. Yeah. Are you? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Another guy I have to mention, Pistol Pete Maravich. Ooh-wee. That's another one of mine. Perfect. Okay. Pistol Pete was definitely one of the biggest stars of the 70s. Uh, never won a playoff series uh, in his prime. Uh, played 10 years in the NBA. Um, uh, played for, like, a lot of the 70s. Uh, all of the seventies. Yeah. What? Yeah. All of the seventies was an all-star five times. He once scored 68 points versus the Knicks in 1977. Uh, and he led the league in scoring once. And, uh, he averaged, I think for his college career, he averaged 44 points a game. So, what a bad, bad dude. It's so yeah, sad. He never he, won a championship, right? No. Uh, he actually uh, had a chance to and retired kind of Elgin Baylor-like. He retired before he was able to win a chip, but um, he was on the the Celtics for a little bit in the 80s. Yeah, because so. he has some great shooting numbers because unlike Dr. J, Pete Maravich was shooting the ball quite a bit. He was always yeah, in the upper, he was always in the 40% or higher. And and his best seasons, he was around 45%. I don't know how accurate. Yeah. I know they didn't take a whole lot of threes, but when they started taking his threes into account, he didn't shoot very many, but he was shooting 66%, uh, 63%, and 75%. I'll throw oh. that 75% one away because um that was his last season, but right. But he, he, he was the best part of his game was his passing ability. And I read a whole book about this guy called the pistol. Right. So I know a lot about his life and his career and stuff. And the only reason he didn't score 70 in the game where he scored 68 is because of two BS foul calls on him, like toward the end of the game. So 
uh, and and before that game, uh, fun fact: before that game, when before Maravich came into the NBA, uh, I guess um, uh, Walt Frazier, right, the point guard for the Celt for the Knicks in the seventies, was telling him, you know. You've never had to play against NBA defense basically after a game, right? And so he he gets his chance to 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 guard Pete Maravich. Frazier does later on, you know, in '77, and Pete Maravich just lies him up for 68 points. That's fun. So, yeah, yeah did that against the Knicks. Um, his dad was his dad's name. His father's name was Press Maravich, and his father was a great basketball coach. His father was like uh, a great basketball mind, who was like one of those overbearing parents who like uh, is way too involved in in what their kids are doing and as far as athletics and stuff you know and so he like sort of made it his mission to make his son the best basketball player that he could and uh when when Pete Maravich uh broke the record for I think it was assists in in the history of the NCAA right um uh when Pete was in college it was at LSU and his dad actually interviewed for the job at LSU uh, for the head coaching job there. And he had such a silver tongue and knew so much about the game. They hired him as the head coach. So Pete Maravich was coached by his father when he was in high school and he had been coached by him before that, when he was growing up. So you can imagine they had kind of a, a, their their relationship was kind of complicated because uh, at the same time he made Pete Maravich a great basketball player. Um, he also was like an overbearing father, you know, and so they didn't have a perfect relationship. But like that's kind of uh, how it worked between them. But um, you know, Maravich. Maravich could do things with the ball that were just was just incredible, you know, uh, things that you would see like Steve Nash do or a Magic Johnson, somebody like that. Maravich was on that level as a passer and ball handler, you know. And I, I don't know if this is still the case, but when I was playing basketball in high school, and when I was playing basketball like junior high, just working my way on up. If you're a true basketball player, you have at some point in time watched the Pistol Pete training videos that he oh, yeah. created. His shooting, his oh, passing, yeah. his dribbling, his ball handling. In case anyone is wondering, sponsor of the podcast, they're having a sale right now on all these videos. So if you want to go get them and own them, you, you can go buy them right now at pistol-pete-videos.com. Oh, awesome. Okay. Well, I mean, it's worth it. Pistol Pete was a great ball handler to do all kinds of great things with the ball, passing it, handling the ball, you know, and, and of course he could put the ball in the basket. He's one of the best ball handlers ever. He's one of the best passers ever. Go look up Pete Maravich highlights. You will not uh, regret it. You will have fun, especially the, all the times that he scores in that 68 point game that, uh, that Steven mentioned. I watched that recently, not for this podcast. Like I watched that probably like two or three months ago before we even started doing these. And mm -hmm. it was, it was worth the price of admission. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and the price so that, of admission being $0. So I'd say to sum up Pete Maravich and uh, the kind of player he was and stuff, his life was a basketball life, you know? Like they have those, uh, they have those um, episodes for football, of football life, right? And they talk about a player. Um, I'd say Pete Maravich 
you know, his life was a basketball life. His whole life was about basketball. He actually died on a basketball court during a basketball game. That's, I just love this dude. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't mean to bring things down. I'm just saying, like, he was 40 years old playing in a charity basketball game, and he had some kind of heart problem, and he had heart failure, and he died on a basketball court man. during a game. That's so, like, agreed, man. He, it seems like everything he does did was for, for basketball. Uh, yeah. Anyways. So, uh the the um and and uh just like i didn't realize this but uh john wooden was good friends with pete maravich's father press so um you know great minds think alike i guess they were they were two great basketball minds press maravich and and uh, John Wooden, and uh, they were friends, used to go to coaching clinics together and everything. And um, uh, apparently Press used to tell John Wooden that his son was going to grow up and be like the best basketball player ever, right? Well, he wasn't very far off, so. Well, I mean, he was, for that time, absolutely. John Wooden still had a number of players to see. But Pete Maravich was definitely one of the best in in the seventies, and then unfortunately, yeah, Pete Maravich, say, the eighties and nineties and two thousands happened and pushed you way down. <laughs> right, but but all, all I'm saying is, he did end up being one of the all time greats. So Press wasn't that far off. I got know? a question for you. Speaking of all time greats, what's the at what point are you not an all time great? So, for example, you have is it fifty? Is it 60? Is it 70 players? Like, when is it just like, oh, you're like, oh, you're Antoine Jameson. You're definitely not one of the top oh, X number no, of players. No, you know what no. I mean? No, that, those guys aren't all-time greats. If you're, no, but if you're somebody who put in work and, like, you're you're owning the record books and you won a bunch of championships and stuff like that, like, all-time greats, you can't deny that they're one of the greatest players ever, you know? Well, no, but that's kind of why I'm, I'm saying that all of the three things you just said, I would not con- like, I think Pete Maravich is one of the all time greats, but he didn't win a ton of championships. His name really yeah, isn't all over the record books. Like, yeah, he scored that 68 point game. So he might be there, but so is, yeah. oh, so is Devin Booker right now. And maybe Devin Booker will be one of the all time greats. It's just well, kind he of could weird. end up being Devin Booker is a great player, you know. No, but like, do you get what I'm saying? Like, just because you score 70 points in a game, just because you score 80 points in a game, does not a an all time great. I, I don't right. know. Right, it has to be sustained, sustained greatness. You have to have sustained uh, a great career. You know, maybe we could have so, that as a as a podcast topic. What is basketball greatness Greatness. yeah but but what i would say is you have to have done one or both of these things you have to have won a bunch of championships or you have to have owned the record books or both you know and pete maravich uh is definitely one of the all-time greats you know awesome well kind of hopping Uh, over to agree i mean no, no, like that's what I'm saying. Like, I agree that Pete Maravich is one of the all-time greats, but I don't think he matches either of your criteria. He didn't win a lot of championships, and he his name is not all over the record book. Like, because people oh, like the game but, has changed. His name was probably all over the record book in the 70s. So well, but that's why you also got to be fair and look at the, look at what they did in the time that they did it. Also, you can't okay. compare, you can't. You know, I think it's unfair to like. This is one of the pet peeves I have, um, and I've talked about it before. Is just that, um, uh, not not in this podcast, but I've talked about it before, and just in regular conversation, it's just that, you know, like, and I guess I've kind of talked about it on the podcast. 
you've got to look at what a player did in their time, you know, and, and like you were saying for his time in his time, Pete Maravich was one of the best players in the game, you know? So I would say if you're one of the best players of the decade you played in, you know, yeah, I mean, he's in my top five, (laughs) right? So he's, he's definitely one of the top five players of the seventies. Definitely, without question. So I'd say if you're a player that kind of helps to define a decade, you know, um, you're an all-time great. That's Well, then maybe, I, maybe this next one will be a little controversial from my side of things. Uh, Rick okay. Barry. His no, also, that's not. Yes. Okay. The, I, controversial in the sense that uh, he was racist. Seems pretty oh, clear was. that he was he an incredible was, racist. Dude. He but, once called. He once called Bill Russell. He once was doing a broadcast with Bill Russell, like in the seventies, I believe, or the eighties. I can't remember. But I read this in a book, in and Bill Simmons' book of basketball. Bill Simmons was talking about how Rick Barry wasn't a likable guy, and that. He, you know, he was kind of a jerk and that during one of the television broadcasts he did with um, Bill Russell, he he referred to uh, the the smile on Bill Russell's face as a big old watermelon eating grin. Oh, my gosh. And for those who don't know, obviously, Bill Russell is black. And so Bill Russell got upset and was, was like, obviously visibly upset, you know, and like, he wasn't saying anything, but you could tell that like Bill Russell, I mean, Bill Simmons describing the, the, the situation was like, yeah, Bill Russell obviously was very upset. And uh, it, the whole rest of the broadcast is like awkward, I guess. But yeah. Um, but man so, could. But man could he shoot? <laughs> yeah, it's so no, hard to. Saying, it's so hard to like say like. It, I think it's just because of the culture that we live in now. Like this, I, I could say Rick Barry is is an a hole. Everyone, I think Stephen and I can all agree, and everyone that has even watch the sport of basketball or seen any of these videos that we're talking about. Rick Barry is a, is a douchebag, but he could shoot free throws. Like it was nobody's business. He could shoot the ball. Like it was nobody's business. And he was, he was such a, you can be a douchebag. He took an entire year off from playing basketball because he's just like, nah, I'm not gonna there. The, he was legally, uh, barred by the NBA from going and playing in the ABA. And he's just like, all right, yeah. sounds good. I'll just take the year off then. Yeah. Um, uh, if I remember right, he played for the Oakland Oaks in the ABA for a little bit. Yeah, he did. And uh, for a year. And uh, he, uh, he won the Warriors first championship uh, that they got was in 1975. And he was the best player on that team. Um, And uh, he was the leader of that team and he was a great player. But unfortunately, like you can be a great player and a douchebag at the same time. So, you know, he was. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we have to mention him because Rick Barry is one of the best players of the 70s. But that doesn't mean he was necessarily a likable guy. Was he one of your top five? Um, he is a guy that I was going to mention. I didn't, uh, I didn't have him in my top five, but he like just barely, you know, I was like, no, but I got to mention this guy, you know? So, um, I, you know, he was a guy I was going to mention. I don't know if he was in my top five. That might have been because of some bias, because I know he's a jerk and I kind of, you know, like I know he's a great player, but also he's Rick Barry and like I know his history. You know did, what I mean? Did he win championships at all? 
Yes, he won a championship in 1975 with, with the, the Warriors. With the Warriors. Good for him. He has a cool nickname too. And the, he also the Miami had, Greyhound. <laughs> he also had two sons that played in the NBA for years. So John and Brent, baby. I love I love both John of those and guys. Brent. They seem to be and much Brent more liked than their father. Yes, they are. And I think it's because they probably learned from their father's bad example. I'd be willing to bet because they are, you know, uh, a lot better with people than he was. So um, a lot more likable guys. Um, uh, Both of them were great shooters, John and Brent. And that, you know, in that case, and uh, the, the apples don't fall far from the tree, you know. They were great shooters. Their father was a great shooter. So, um, you know, like Rick Barry um, is was a great player and uh, obviously taught his sons well. He just, you know, like I said, it's possible to be a jerk and also be a great player. So we have to mention him. So, so who's your, who is your next person? I have one more. Uh, the left. next person I'm going to mention, uh, let's see here. Uh, I will talk about Lenny Wilkins. Okay. Lenny. And, and for a long time, Lenny Wilkins was the all time leader in assists in the young history of the NBA. Right. Um, for a long time, uh, he was, and he used to be a player coach for a little bit. He was a player coach um, and won some championships. I, I don't know if you want him as a player coach, but he won some championships just right after he retired and became a coach. Yeah. And he used to be, he, he also was for a long time, the all time leader in wins uh, for a coach um, for a long time. But from 1969 to 1973, he averaged 20 points, five rebounds, and nine assists. Okay. Um, and then he was a great floor general. Like I said, was once a, was once a player coach uh, for the Sonics, right? Uh, shout out to the, uh, the Seattle Supersonics. Bring them back. Um, uh, yeah, way back, had a 15-year career, was an, a nine-time All-Star, never made an All-NBA team. That is that is shocking to me that a guy as consistently good as he was never made an All-NBA team. But well, but think about who was that. Th- just think of our 60s conversation from last uh from last week is was bob cousy like i just imagine i don't know how many all nba teams they had back then i know there's three now if there was just one it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't make it if there was two that's only four players to take up his spot right it's like how long were they keeping track of all nba yeah so um you know they probably weren't keeping i don't think they were keeping track of it for that long but Lenny Wilkins never made an all NBA team. That is, that is very surprising to me just because of how good he was, you know, I just feel like we should have talked about him last week though, because looking at his career, he, he had two all-stars in the seventies and technically he had three, like the 69, right, 70 but a big season, chunk, a big chunk of his career was in the sixties. It looks like, and that seems to be when, although he's scoring pretty well there at the end too. Um, in the seventies, it just seems like the sixties was his time. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not here to necessarily like legislate too much against like what time we have to put him in, but I'm honestly, just like not overly impressed, (laughs) not overly impressed with a lot of his stats anyways. Okay. Here's another guy I want to mention. Uh, I I just watched the 1976 NBA ABA Finals, right? I just watched it a few days ago. And this guy, Dan Issel, who was a big man, right? Um, 
he played in that game. And I believe he was playing for the New York Nets, but I'm not sure. Um, I think he was, though. But Dan Issel, okay, had a 15-year career. Seven, was an all-star seven times. Uh, uh, was an ABA champion on the 1975 Colonels, uh, which is the same team that Artis Gilmore played on. Um, uh, so. In 1975, he was a champion in the ABA on that team. He's part of the 25,000-plus point club. He's part of the 10,000-plus rebound club. Okay? So that's Dan Issel. Um, and uh, uh, probably is, is most, you know, uh, mostly remembered for what he did uh, in the ABA. And yeah, so that's Dan Issel. Dan Issel. He would not have been in consideration for mine. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to mention him. I, I, I thought maybe some of the guys I had, you wouldn't have, you know, but uh, Dan Issel. So that's him. I'm sure. Keep going. I'm curious. Like, do you have more people? Yes, I do. Okay. How many more do you have? Oh, shoot. Uh, I thought you said he maybe, had seven. <laughs> yeah, I think I have. Remember, this is the best players of the 70s. Once like, once you go beyond like a certain number, it's like, oh, so everyone was the best. <laughs> right. No, but Dan Issel really was one of the best of the 70s. Uh, it just so happened that, you know, uh, most of what he did in his career was in the ABA, you know? So like a lot of what he did, you know, that's notable in his career was in the ABA, but, um, uh, you know, some of these players who like, you probably never heard of Roger Brown, you know, he played in the ABA. Um, he was one of the, uh, great shooters in the ABA, um, and and uh, the ABA is the league that came up with the three point shot. So Roger Brown was one of the early uh, great three point shooters. You know, um, you want me to go on to somebody else? Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm still waiting. Like I still have one more, and I'm just shocked that we haven't talked about him yet. Okay. Um, okay. I don't know if I have all the guys you have, but let's see. I, I just have so, one more dude. Just one Dennis more. Will, okay. Uh, Jerry Lucas. Did you think of him? Nope. That's not, that's not the guy that I have. I t- okay. honestly, Steven, you're just starting to name like tons and tons of people. Like, like essentially what it feels like is like, you wouldn't look, I know you didn't do this, but like, you wouldn't like, all right. So who are the MVPs of, of this entire, this entire no, decade? Like, I know and then you started throwing I've them on. It. No, I've I know. I know. These people. So like, these are great. These are greats. These are not just, you know, names that I pulled out of a hat, but, um, Jerry Lucas. Okay. I know you probably don't have them on your list. I do not. Well, no, I only did five total people. I, okay, yeah. I wanted to make it legitimately like, oh, these are just the best. Just these five. Oh, well, um, you know, I just was trying to name great players of the 70s. And, you know, so I just was trying to think of people. Um, so uh, do you have Dave Cowens? Nope. I, how seriously, I'm very shocked that like, I, I feel like it would be very blatantly obvious. Like you'd be like, Oh, we who's, haven't talked about who's your other Kareem other... Abdul Jabbar. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. Kareem. Um, <laughs> Kareem is one of the best players of the seventies for sure. Hey, Kareem. I think Kareem Abdul Jabbar is the best center ever. Okay. Um, he's an all-time leader in scoring in the history of the NBA. He may, he'll up, probably make my 70s and 80s team, just a spoiler alert for next week. But here's oh, Steven yeah. going no. off about and, Dan and, Issel and Jerry and Lucas. I, <laughs> and actually, I know uh, a lot about 
uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar because I've read a lot of John Wooden books and I've read uh, one of, I read Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's autobiographical book called Kareem three times. So like just from reading all those John Wooden books I've read and I've read like five or six of them, okay? Like I've learned a lot about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, he was consistently good his entire career. Um, and obviously Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was part of uh, John Wooden's great UCLA Bruins teams. They won three championships only because uh, they would have won more except for when Kareem was the freshman in college. Uh, freshmen couldn't play in, on the varsity, right? So, so uh, he, Kareem actually played a, a game against uh against the upperclassmen uh UCLA team when he was in college and he beat them in that game um but Kareem is was one of the most hyped players um in the history of the game um uh especially for back in the time that he came up in right um he was getting news coverage as a high school athlete which was pretty unheard of at that time. Yeah. And um, looking at his seventies too, his seventies stats are unreal. Not a single season under 50% shooting from the field, a yeah. number of 30 plus point seasons with the high yeah. of 34.8 in the 71, 72 season. And is rebounding yeah. just off the off charts. The charge. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And, and honestly, his assist numbers, uh, consistently above four. There's a couple three point, like one outlier, his second season, 3.3 assists, but he is consistently right. dropping dimes in the seventies too. Right. And he won a Working. championship. He won a championship in 1971 as the starting center on the Milwaukee bucks playing with Oscar Robertson. He was a dominant. He was a beast in the seventies, man. Yeah, he was a beast in the 70s. Shot and free throws pretty well too, uh, hovering around 70 if not above for most of his career, but in the 7 in the 70s like the 1970s, he was shooting very well from the line. Yeah, um he uh And Steven wanted to talk about Jerry Lucas. <laughs> no, I was And Lenny Wilkins. Jerry hey, Jerry Lucas is one of the best players of the 70s, okay? But <laughs> But like Jerry Lucas is one another one of those all time greats, and if you're gonna talk about the '70s, you gotta bring up Jerry Lucas, I think. But Kareem is obviously one of those. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. Can I be Kareem a dick really quick, bars. Steven? <laughs> it's always good to ask permission before being a douchebag. Can I just give no. you Jerry Lucas's stat lines from the '70s? <laughs> sure. 1970, sure. 19 points per game. 1971, 16 points per game. 72, How many rebounds? Nine. <laughs> 70, 73, six. All right, I'll do rebounds. 1970, 15, 71, 13, 72, seven, and 73, five. This is like, I feel like Jerry Lucas is one that we should have talked about last week because his 60 stats, unreal. But his 70 yeah. stats, not no, impressed. But, I mean, he, he, Let's talk about 11-year career, okay? So the 70s wasn't his best decade. But I feel like a guy who averaged a double-double more than once in the 70s uh, and also played for one runner-up Knicks team uh, in 1972 that, you know, made the finals and didn't win. And then 73, they win, and he's on that team. Um Started for the Knicks in 1972, averaged 19 points and 11 rebounds and 16 playoff games in 1972. We got to mention the guy, you know, Steven, really quick. I want to mention someone from the 2010s who averaged a double, double multiple time in the 2010s. Kevin uh, Tyson, Tyson Chandler. <laughs> hey, Tyson, listen, Tyson. Chandler. Not, no, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> 
What do you mean stop? The like, guys well, no, like if we're ta- like Tyson Chandler is not going to be a person that we mentioned in the 2010s as being an all-time great. <laughs> I, uh, but, but I, I'm just saying he was a great player at one point in time. And in 2011, he won a championship with the Dallas Mavericks as their starting center and their defensive anchor. So. No, but like, I'm just using Tyson Chandler to illustrate that Jerry Lucas's two seasons. It's probably Tyson Chandler level. Yeah. <laughs> I told you, I told you I was going to be a douchebag. I let you know ahead no, of time. No, 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 no. It's fine. I'm just saying like, to me, we got to mention Jerry Lucas at least, you well, know, but see, that's like what, but that's also what I, I also, one thing that I need to take into consideration is how far fewer players there were during this time. So like of when course, I'm choosing yeah. Tyson Chandler, it's because there's 360 players, whereas there was probably anywhere between 150 to 200 in the seventies and sixties. And so right. there's far fewer and, to choose from. So there's going to be more great be people. Fair, to be fair, Jerry Lucas uh, didn't affect his team's winning as much as his stats might suggest. That you know? No, no. Well, if you go back and look at like how much his teams won and stuff, he put up big stats for a lot of his career, but his teams weren't always winning teams. Yeah. It looks like he, the only championship he won was when he wasn't really playing 22 minutes a game, very low stats with the Knicks. Yeah. So yeah, that was toward the, the end of his career, but he's one of the all time great rebounders ever, you know? Um, and, and so, uh, even though he does most of his damage in the seventies and the early seventies, I figure I just had to mention him, you know, um, uh, another guy I want to mention who, uh, was one of Michael Jordan's favorite players. Okay. So I just want to point that out. All right. (laughs) Um, I'm excited to tear this down. Okay, David Thompson. Okay, that's hard for me to tear down. I, I can I can get behind that one. Okay, nine year career. All right, Jerry Lucas. All right, uh, had most of his better years before the seventies. I just felt I had to mention Jerry Lucas because he he did have some, you know two or three very good years in the early seventies. Okay? I mean, I like David Thompson cause he made the nuggets. He made Denver relevant. He's six foot four could fly. And oh, yeah. his stats were, I mean, his stats were, he shot very well, shot very well. Obviously he's around the basket a lot, kind of similar right. to Dr. J, but he has, right. he's got good stats. I can get behind that over, over Jerry Lucas any day of the week. Uh, I mean, they're the ones that are obvious. Of course, we're all going to agree that Dr. J has to be mentioned. Pistol Pete, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, and uh, certain players. Um, Rick Barry is another one of those players. Um, you know, artist Gilmore. So I've named some people. Um, uh, another guy is David Thompson. And David Thompson had a nine-year career, uh, had, was an all-star four times, including one ABA all-star selection, uh, uh, was probably the best player on the 1976 Nuggets, uh, and they made the, the uh, finals uh, that season in the ABA, um, averaged... 26, six and three uh, in 11 playoff games. Uh, he was a two guard. He had a 44 inch vertical. So to what Alex is, you know, uh, like Alex said, uh, he, he could fly. He had a 44 inch vertical. Insane. So, yeah. Um, David Thompson I believe David Thompson was uh, uh, one of the players that Michael Jordan said was one of his favorite players. Um, 
Yeah, if I remember right, he said he, he loved David Thompson, which isn't a big surprise. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, some of what David Thompson did. And uh, I was reading reading uh, Bill Simmons' book, and Bill Simmons said that uh, he, since he didn't get to see David Thompson a whole lot, he just kind of assumed that David Thompson was dunking on everybody all the time. You know? Yeah. Good old David Thompson. He's one of my favorite players in 2K. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got, I got David Thompson. Uh, we talked about Pistol Pete. Um, you, you, Took a shit all over my <laughs> all over my Jerry Lucas pick, but um, you know, <laughs> I, I am mad. I am mad at you. I am mad at you. Well, no, um, no, no, Stephen. I think you're miss. I think you're missing the point of why I did. Because if you once again, if you name as you name more and more people, it makes it less of a special list to be on. <laughs> Right, right. Well, I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of there's there's players to pick from. Jerry Lucas, you know, uh, was good for his time, uh, uh, but you know, he did do some damage in the '70s, so I had to mention him. You know. Yeah, I got you. But anyone else that I can uh, that I can de- well, what's funny though too is like sometimes you're like, yeah, my, my David Thompson, I can get behind that one. But um, I think well, I mean, we also should mention probably the Big O for part of the '70s. Um, you know, some of these players were at the, toward the end of their career, like Jerry Lucas was, but. Um, you know, uh, Jerry West was one of the best players of the 70s, uh, particularly the early 70s. And then, you know, he won the championship in 72 with the Lakers. Uh, Wilt Chamberlain was on that team. Um, I've already mentioned Wilt's stats uh, in, during the 1971-72 season and previous podcasts. Uh, 15 15 points, 19 rebounds a game in 71-72 for Wilt. Uh, so, you know, um, there were some talented players in the 70s. It's just, it was a weird era, like, in a way, because uh, because there was the merger, uh, you know, and all that. So it kind of... It, I think that's why there were so many different champions, you know, eight different champions in the NBA and stuff uh, is because the merger and stuff made, made the seventies a little different, you know, with most decades, I would say you can point to one or two teams that just dominated the decade. Right. Right. And with the 70s, there was eight different champions in the NBA. So and for a little while, there were two competing leagues in the 70s. Right. So so uh, it just so happened that the NBA beat the ABA uh, in the race to get the big TV contract. Right. Uh, So that they could nationally televised their games so that more people would see the games uh and and the nba got the got it first right right so they they won the war so they get to tell the history but the truth is that the players that played in the aba were just as talented as the guys that played in the nba they just played a little different style the ABA players, the ABA, they were more flashy. 
a lot of dunks. They had the three-point shot. They came up with the three-point shot. They had the red, right, red, white, and blue ball, um, which they said when the ball rotated in the air, when the player would shoot it, like it would add to the showmanship and the flair of the ABA, right? Seeing those colors spinning through the air, you know, the ball. And, um, uh, you know, so they had a lot of showmanship, a lot of flair um, in the ABA. The ABA then was a lot more like the NBA is now. So even though the ABA went under, there were a lot of good things from the ABA that the NBA incorporated into its game, right? 100%. Awesome. Well, thanks a ton, Stephen, for for the time today. And the next time that we have something that we want to talk about, we hope you all give it a listen. Give us one more chance to change your mind.